It's a dream to be able to take photos of dogs and give them a voice through through photos, through my pictures. listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. New Year and welcome to episode 62 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host Erin Scott and thank you so much for being here today. I'm hoping everyone had a safe and happy holiday season and I'm excited to be back with you in 2023. We have had some crazy whiplash weather here in Baltimore. It went from being like 50 degrees a couple days before Christmas to being about five degrees for Christmas And now we've been back up in the 50s and 60s again. So Penny's been very happy because we've had lots of good head out the window of the car time. I'm so excited for you to meet today's guest, Mindy Dutka of Dogs I Meet. Mindy is a pet photographer based in Boston, Massachusetts, and I think you're really going to love her story. Mindy is someone who grew up having her dog as her best friend, even going away to college and bringing her dog with her, which I think you'll just love that part of her story. And she's also someone who's always had a passion for photography ever since she was little, running around being the family historian and photographer. But it wasn't until just a few years ago that Mindy decided to bring her two passions together for dogs and for photography into a career when Mindy started her company, Dogs I Meet. And I think you're going to love hearing about all the different ways that Mindy is able to bring her passion for photography and dogs together. Because yes, she does work with private clients, taking family portraits with their dogs, but she also works with pet brands, and you can even see her photos in different vet offices around the country. But Mindy's also very passionate about giving back and using her talents to help dogs in need. So she will often volunteer her time with different animal shelters to help take great photos that'll help connect with a dog and and get them adopted. And she's also traveled to Mexico, uh, to Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria, where she's been part of some large-scale spay-neuter efforts and large-scale rescue efforts and been able to document those as well. And we spend time just talking about the power of capturing a moment in photography, whether it's a moment for your own family, whether it's a moment that'll make you trust a company, or whether it's a moment that can get a dog a home. Or we talk about how some of the photos that we saw from Hurricane Katrina of people walking through chest high water with their dogs on their shoulders, trying to get them to safety, how photos can really sear the scale and the magnitude of a situation into our minds and make us motivated to want to help. And I have to tell you, I've always been so impressed with people who have a talent for photography because 
I don't. <laughs> I am definitely not a photographer by any stretch of the imagination. And so I think I have a little bit of extra just awe and respect for, for people who do have this talent because I see the emotions that great photography can evoke in someone, whether it's just the joy of capturing a silly moment of your dog that you don't ever want to forget, or the power of some of the images that we've seen, like I said, from Hurricane Katrina, or from something you saw from 9-11, that that image still just sticks in your mind. Like, photography can just be so powerful. And, and I have so much respect for people who are able to capture and evoke emotions through photography. And so while I had this opportunity to really pick Mindy's brain, I also asked her to share with us some tips so that we can take some better photos of our dogs. And I think I find some of the things that I've been doing wrong in her tips. And also, if we want to work with a pet photographer to take photos of our own family, she gives us some tips on how to go about finding somebody that would be the right fit for us. I think you're going to love this conversation, and I'm so excited for you to meet Mindy Dutka. So we are here today with Mindy Dutka from Dogs I Meet. Hi, Mindy. How are you? Hi, Erin. Glad to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. I have so much I want to talk to you about. I always love by starting out by asking about your childhood experiences with animals. So for instance, I did not grow up with dogs. I never had a dog until I was 25, but obviously it has now changed my whole life. <laughs> and so I'm always curious about, about my guests. So are you somebody who grew up with dogs in your life? I did. I got my first dog when I was seven um, and begged and pleaded nonstop for that dog from my mom, who was a dog lover, but I think it was too overwhelming kids and dogs. So we had to wait a while. Um, the first dog that I got was uh, Julia Schnauzer, who was great, but my mom decided to surprise us. And my sister and I were at camp and she rescued Julie. And Schnauzers are known to be a one person dog. And this poor, poor Julie um, came from a family where the children were not kind to, to her. So she didn't love children either. Uh. So I did adore Julie, but she was really my mom's dog. But I just, I moved a lot when I was a child and having a dog, you know, was like, I always had a built-in friend. So I never really, you know, if I didn't know people yet, um, I had my dog. Actually, funny story. I, I can't remember how old I was, maybe eight or nine. And I had decided to run away from home, <laughs> um, packed my suitcase. And I went to some little little area in the woods. And I sat there for a while and thought I'd been gone long enough and I was probably missed. And I get back home. No one even noticed I was gone. <laughs> so I decided the next time I'm going to take the dog with me because I'm sure my mom will notice. <laughs> so off we went, Julie and I, to sit in my little circle in the woods. And of course, like when I got home, my mom was like, what, what, what do you mean you took the dog? Like, what is going on? But dogs have always been super important to me. I, from also, I think I was maybe 10 years old and I volunteered uh, for an organization called the Lost Pet Society. I used to sell candy door to door to raise money for them. And I was uh, proud to say I was one of their top salespeople. Oh, wow. 
And then when my sister went to college, so I was uh, just about turning 15, I decided that I needed, uh, I would like a replacement for her. And that would be my own dog that adored me in the way that Julie adored my mom. So ultimately, um, after a lot of back and forth, I did uh, um, rescue a dog. I named him Stanley. And um, I'm sure nowadays they would call Stanley a doodle. Back then, he was just a mutt because nobody <laughs> even talked about doodles. And um, Stanley and I were attached at the hip, so much so that I went to, well, first I went to school in Delaware. And my sophomore year, I moved out of the dorms into an apartment so I could have Stanley come live with me. Aww. And then I transferred schools to Arizona. Then Stanley came with me. He got on every flight. Oh, wow. Back and forth. And he was my sidekick until I, I actually, until I was probably, I was almost 30 by the time. Wow. Stanley passed away. And I actually waited to get pregnant because I knew that Stanley wasn't that great with little kids. (laughs) (laughs) What a commitment. (laughs) So yes, dogs have always been, you know, pretty much my best friend. So what about photography? Has that always been a part of your life too? It has also. I've always, from a very early age, like um, even photos of me, you'll see I always, I have a little brownie camera around my neck. I was always the one who had a camera, who took pictures. Um, I used to joke around how if anybody needed documentation of something, they would just like reach out to me. And this is way before, you know, internet or... or uh, yeah, this is back when you had to, you know... Yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> it's the just, next photo, yeah. Like, he's going to have a picture of someone. Um, <laughs> and I was the family historian. I used to go through the boxes of, you know, the shoe boxes of photos and make them into albums. And so I've always been fascinated with photography. And I took classes in, in school and I I would take courses, but you know, that was about it. I just, I loved photography as a hobby and never really thought about doing it as, as a profession. Oh, okay. So how, how long have you been doing it professionally now? Um, six years, uh, about six years now. So did you I, do before that? Oh, I've done many things. I had an event company where I did corporate and nonprofit events for about 20 years. And um, some really cool ones. One of the highlights, um, uh, Bill Clinton was a keynote speaker at oh, one wow. of the events that I did. I used to do a lot of work for the Nature Conservancy, did many cool events for them. So that was it, that was fun. I, I enjoyed that. Um, but around, uh, when was it? Like 2005, 2006, when the Blank hit the fan and and, and, and the Lehman Brothers closed and all kinds of things happened. The event industry took a really big hit and I wasn't not really able to sustain my business. And from there, I uh, spent about eight eight years in um, the healthcare industry. So I have a very varied background. I've also done sales um, to back up. In the healthcare industry, I sold and managed um, video and telephone interpreting for people that don't speak English to hospitals. People are always like, oh, you know, how many languages do you speak? And I'd say, 
None. I, I barely speak English. I only, <laughs> I facilitate <laughs> um, because it was fascinating to me that there are um, hundreds and hundreds of languages and there would be call centers um, with all people that spoke all of these different languages. And you'd be able to, first it was telephone and then, you know, the technology came and it was video. So this is if a patient comes into the hospital that's not an English speaker and the doctors need to be able to communicate effectively with them for their treatment. Wow. Exactly. And um, it, was, it was, you know, I, I, I did um, enjoy, it was very interesting and, and it was fulfilling, but uh, I had a couple of different um, life changes and I wound up moving. I lived in New York and I moved up to Massachusetts and it just basically for work, every appointment that I had, and this is again pre-pandemic, so pre-remote, was like a two-hour drive, <laughs> and, um, and there was, you know, some frustration dealing with the bureaucracy of hospitals, and also that technology in hospitals was a little difficult with the video because of the the cinder wall, cinder blocks, and the walls mm-hmm. in hospitals. It's really hard to get the proper connection for everything to work well. So I just sort of reached a point where I said, "Mm, I really just want to do something that I love and that I'm passionate about. And I wasn't quite sure what that was. Um, And I literally was kind of researching uh, online and stumbled across a few different things that related to dog photography. And I was like, hmm, it looks like Dog photography is a thing. <laughs> it's definitely a thing. <laughs> and, and and I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, um, and I just started on a quest to become an uh, you know excellent dog photographer, and to you know use my love and my connection with dogs also. And, um, you know, I was also obsessed with storytelling. And the tagline to my business is because every dog has a tail, (laughs) T-A-L-E. And it was that I felt that every dog's tail, you know, they have many tails and they deserve to be told through photos. And they also bring tails to us. And I also realized that Um, my dog Stanley that I talked about, who I thought I took a lot of photos of, and I thought I was a decent photographer. But, you know, after Stanley passed away, and I started digging through all my photos, I I think I, I only have like three good photos of him that really don't even do him justice. And I was just like, that's never going to happen again. And I felt that I wanted to educate people that how important it is to make this investment because everybody has an iPhone and everybody takes pictures and not everybody sees the value in an investment in professional photographers. I mean, I will tell you that my husband and I did make an investment in our first our first dogs, uh, Lucy and Kalua, and we have... It was more of an investment than my husband cared to make. Um, But, you know, we have these gorgeous wall portraits. We have kind of like one of each of them. And then we have one of all of us together. And then like my parents have a big wall portrait of, you know, the family, you know, of us also. And I mean, it's honestly like some of the best money I've ever spent in my life. And I'm so grateful every day 
that we have those. Exactly. That's what I tell people. I, I say, I promise you will never remember what you spent, but you will smile every time, you know, that you look at these photos. I had a dog Bailey from the time she was almost 16 when she passed. So I had her from the time my daughter was 16 till, you know, in her early thirties, so to speak, wow. and many, many life changes and moves and all kinds of things. But Bailey was my sidekick and she was my constant. And, you know, Bailey was my like muse and inspiration when, when I started Dogs I Meet. And I have a lot of beautiful photos of, of Bailey. And when she passed away, the comfort that those photos give me and, you know, to be able to walk into the different rooms and see her and see her as she was, not a blurry, <laughs> you, you, you know, picture. You know, I really, really strive to spend time and have a connection with dogs and photograph them in their element, being who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do really think that that does show you know, in my work, I've been told that I, I, you know, I see that. And it's just, you know, it's, it's such a gift to have the photos uh, of the dogs. So that is, you know, I started doing private photo shoots, um, which I did really enjoy, but I have a business background and a marketing background and sort of transitioned. Um, I, I do still do personal pet portraits, but I, my main focus is for pet brands. And the same thing, you know, it's so important to tell stories and people need, if you're talking about your dog, you know, and I'm going to choose a a dog food or I'm going to choose just about anything, you know, like I have to trust that this is something that I want to give my dog that's going to be good for my dog. Like veterinarian is one that that comes to mind, you know, if you or going to a new veterinarian office, you want to know, like, who are these people that are going to be touching my dog? You know, sometimes they're, you know, got them, you know, they're trying to get blood work from them or, or do something that the dog isn't happy about. And you're kind of like, I want to know who these people are. And, you know, especially like during COVID, a lot of people couldn't even go into the vet office and you're just kind of turning your dog over to these strangers, you know, and you want to know like what's going on in there. <laughs> exactly. Actually, one of a large client of mine is uh, the veterinary emergency group. Um, I don't know if you have any by your, they have about 35 locations now across the country and they're really unique in that they don't separate you from your pet and they understand the importance of story and the importance of people seeing what they do. So I photograph for them and for that, that's like a documentary photo shoot where I'll go and I'll spend hours in the clinic. Um, in the, it's an emergent 24 seven emergency hospital. Mm-hmm. And then that's how they decorate their hospitals with large portraits of, of the photos that I've taken. And, you know, they use it for their marketing and their website and so forth. But it shows, you know, how like you can see that you're not separated. You can see, you you know, they're very transparent and it's remarkable to me. I mean, it's such a, as a pet parent, that's so important because, you know, like you said, you just, you wouldn't just hand your child off. So why should you hand your dog or your cat, your beloved pet? And that they're really changing the emergency medicine. So that's like, 
I love that I get to tell their story in, in photos, uh, you know, and I love that I get to capture a feeling of a brand. So, you know, I'm very, again, focused on what is the story like, you know, and that my, the photos that I take tell a story and that they connect people emotionally. You know, there's tons of studies done about how people remember things visually much more than they do in words. And they remember, and then they also remember stories. Um, that's, I mean, think about it. Stories are everything. That's, right. <laughs> you know, it's the stories that are passed on. It's so, and it, it it's true for everything. When you tell a story, it's, it's more memorable. And certainly when you look at a photo that touches you, it's not always necessarily the photo that's the most technically correct or the most beautiful, uh, but it's a photo that draws you in and, you know, makes you feel something that connects you. So it's important for pet brands to have photos like that, you know, so, so I focus on that and, you know, I look for businesses and brands that I'm aligned with, you know, that are really making pets lives better. And it's pretty exciting time. Now, to me, in the pet industry, in the pet space, you know, multi, multi, multi billions of dollars, you know, new products coming out all the time, new changes, new, you know, it's no more just a bag of kibble. Um, (laughs) I hope anyway. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But so many, you know, interesting things. So that's very exciting to me, to be able to work with different pet brands and tell their stories and photos. Yeah. And it looks like you've done a lot of volunteer work too. And I was really interested to, to hear some of these stories and also just talk about how important photography is, you know, even like in a rescue and shelter kind of world, you know, I was thinking we adopted our dog Nino because my husband fell in love with his photo online. And that that's how he became our dog. You know, Tim looked at it and said, that's our dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I was also just thinking like on a bigger scale, you know, like the photos from Hurricane Katrina that you would see of these people in boats with the dogs or, you know, people carrying their dogs on their shoulders through chest high water. And I mean, there's like two or three different images that are like burned into my mind. And and that's exactly, you know, can can help an organization get their word out. So um, I, I think it's wonderful that, that you do that kind of work also. Yeah, that's so important. And it's so, it's one of the things I love most um, about what I do is really to capture, again, tell their story, bring their story, um, through the lens of, of my camera. And it sounds dramatic, but to your point about how you fell in love with your dog, a good photograph literally can mean the difference between life and death to a dog. You know, uh, people need to, be able to look at a picture and visualize that that's a family member, that dog, you know, because people have this awful preconception that shelter dogs are broken or, you know, there's something wrong with them. Um, you know, so they need to see that that dog's going to be a family member. And I can envision that dog sitting in my couch. I can envision playing ball with that dog. Like, look at that dog's funny little sparkle, you know, in, in their eye. And, you know, I, I, I understand shelters 
they're they're overwhelmed they're doing a million things they you know don't have the time nor a lot of times the expertise to take these photos that matter so so many times you'll see again like a dimly lit cinder block shell with a terrified dirty dog in the back corner cowering and that's the photo right Nobody, that's not the photo that makes people stop and say, I want that dog. I mean, you, you know, you have to be a certain kind of person to look at that dog and say, I see beauty. I can't wait to watch that flourish. So, you know, the picture is that a cute, adorable dog, that funny dog, that quirky dog, the dog that you can see sitting on your couch. And that's the first of the faces. It's just, it's, it's the same thing as a dating site. <laughs> you know, it is, it's dogs dating sites, it, right. you know, the pictures that go up and they're so important. So I, I did actually, I got a lot of practice. I used to volunteer for the, the big animal center, uh, New York Animal Control Center in Manhattan, mm-hmm. photograph for them. And then when I moved up here, I photographed you know, for um, a shelter for their dogs. And, you know, whenever I have an opportunity, always happy to, you know, lend my talents and my time, you know, to give a dog a better chance. I mean, I can just tell you right now, the picture with Nino, there was kind of, there's like three or four different pictures. And the one that got us was they had um, like a dog play group, you know, area, like a yard, a play yard. And Nino had must have been running around and then decided he was tired and he kind of went and laid under this table and just had his tongue hanging out and was just in the sunshine and that was the pictures my husband's like that's our dog like that's the dog is gonna be in the backyard playing ball you know tongue hanging out like <laughs> exactly I mean it, it's it's a big thing to feel like a connection I I, I hear those stories all the time, you know, so that is just so important to to do. And the other, a couple of other things, like if I travel just in general, like I I was actually just in New Orleans recently. So it's, it's like a busman's holiday. Like I'll contact a shelter and Hey, you want me to come by and take some pictures? And I do love to travel. So I've had an opportunity to uh, particularly um, in Mexico, I've been to Mexico several times and I had gone there volunteering to photograph for a large spay-neuter clinic in Playa del Carmen. And from that, I I was introduced to like a really vibrant rescue community of people that volunteered. Some some of them are shelters, some are just people that, you know, started doing work with dogs and cats. Some are um actually Americans that went there to retire and didn't really wind up retiring. They wound up <laughs> rescuing dogs. That's my kind of people. <laughs> but they're doing they're doing really, really amazing things. And I've been back several times and I photograph for them and I've been able to raise a fair amount of money for them. I'm actually working on a project now for them. Um, they've band together these organizations um one in particular that's the most official shelter and they understand that they have to do spay and neuter clinics on a regular basis to solve the problem of right. the you know the stray population so their solution and their goal is to hold a spay and neuter campaign every month for the next 3 years 
So far, I think they've done seven or eight. And they they do 400 animals per campaign. Wow. Um, but it costs about $8,000 for each of these campaigns. So my goal is I've started a fundraising campaign. I'm also on the board of, a, a, which I'll talk a little bit about that. It's called the Global United Foundation that does exactly, raises money. And it, they're, I call it a pass-through. So we raise money for organizations to support the projects that they're working on. So I've started a campaign for bay-neuter clinics. Um, my ideal goal would be to raise money for three clinics the first quarter of 2023. Okay. And I will be going to Mexico to photograph one of these clinics and to talk to people and get stories. And um, it's really, you know, I don't know, the first one I went to and I saw hundreds of people really waiting in line with their pets. Um, all kinds of things. People that took their neighbor's dogs kind of for a little <laughs> ride that they knew they weren't going to spay neuter them. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And it was just, you know, really such an eye opener to me that I want to support this and help them achieve this this goal because it's just so important. So that I do that. Um, I did have an opportunity through Global United to go to Puerto Rico a few months after Hurricane Maria. Okay. And I photographed there. They too had been working on the spay neuter. They had campaigns going and everything came to a crashing halt with Hurricane Maria and, and just got so much worse than it had been. Didn't it knock power out to the entire island? I mean, like, just completely decimated the infrastructure of the island. Decimated. I mean, and when I was there, we actually um, met with some government officials and, and, and talked about things that could be done to, to help. Um, and they took us to an area that was basically closed off because these people still, months later, had no, no power. And we brought them food. We brought supplies for their dogs. And it was just, again, just like, Wow. Like, you know, things that you can't even fathom. And I mean, we can and we can talk about it. But I mean, I bet just seeing the photos of it just really takes it to a whole other level. Exactly, exactly. Like you could talk about it, but it doesn't it, like you, it doesn't sear in, in your brain, in your mind and bringing those photos back from these different places and saying, you know, look what's happening. Look at these people, you know, like we're all people. We all we all we need to help each other. Like, look what's happening with these animals. And there are people. I mean, you know, there are terrible things happening and, and all kinds of abuse and so forth. But there are also people that are kind and wonderful that are doing everything that they can to help, you know, these animals. So, you know, there is just such value and importance in these photos. And I, I probably about $30,000, I think I've been able to wow. raise over the years. That's amazing. Because of the power of the photographs. You know, people see these and they 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 want to help, but you know, without that, it's, photography's a language, you know, and and, <laughs> and and to be able to, for me, like it's a dream to be able to take photos of dogs <laughs> and give them a voice right. through through photos through my pictures. And one of the things we had chatted about before was I was curious. 
when you're traveling to other parts that aren't the U.S., is it still primarily women who are doing all of these rescue efforts? <laughs> it is, and it's fascinating. I would, I mean, if I had to give it a number, I'd say 85% yeah. are women, and they tend to be um, a little older, you know, like like 40s, 50s, uh, um, and they are a powerhouse. <laughs> Out there, you know, I, I, I mean, it, it really is interesting. Yeah, I mean, not to say that there, 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 there are some men out there, but mostly it's the women doing the hard work and out there and rescuing and and, and capturing the dogs. So, is it primarily stray animal, almost like a TNR type situation, or is it owned animals, or is it a mix? It's definitely a mix. Um, it's also in um, different places. Education is super, super important because culturally and other ways they don't, and even in the States, you know, down South, that's why a lot of times we bring dogs up from the South to the North because up North, it seems there seems to be a better understanding of the importance of spay neuter, but not everywhere. And certainly in, you know, other countries culturally, men think it's, you know, their dog is less manly if he's neutered or they plain simple can't afford it, which hence the people who wait online, right. you know, for, for hours, they, they do understand it. Um, but it's a big, big call. It's a mix of not understanding the importance of it. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, strays with just litters and litters. <laughs> um, it can also, again, be people's dogs because culturally that's different too. They, they often, you know, live in a, in a very small house with not a lot of room and it's the norm that the dogs are out and about mm -hmm. all day long and then, you know, come home at the end of the day. So those dogs are, are at great risk to being hit by a car. Um, those dogs are creating other dogs. I don't have the numbers, but it's, it's, it's a crazy number on how many, like when you do the multiplying. Of right. Right. That. Like one dog can lead to Yeah, exactly. So it, you know, it's, it's a real mix. And then sometimes too, it might be a dog that has an owner, but not an owner that is treating it properly like um, we would treat them or something right, that we would and sometimes they just they just can't because they don't have you know the 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 funds to feed them uh, um or sometimes they're just you know not nice but you know and it, it's a wide range i i met i was in cartagena a couple of years ago right before the pandemic and i also like i seeked out this shelter to go and photograph and it was a woman <laughs> and she was retired and she bought land and built a shelter for, for I think there were 350, wow. maybe 150 cats. And, you know, she had a veterinarian. Um, she also would do spay neuter clinics on her own. Like I was just blown away. Wow. What she does. And in her situation, she didn't have a way to get the dogs out. So really it was more like a sanctuary. Like she just kept the dogs there so that, you know, they were cared for medically and, and they, you know, you knew that they were getting food. So, you know, like I've come across just these 
stories and situations that that amaze me and you know I want to help them all. <laughs> yeah. So when they have these large scale clinics, spay neuter clinics, like where does that happen? Like is that in like a, a hospital situation? Is like a lot of times it could be in a, in a gymnasium. The one that I gone sometimes it's a stadium. Sometimes you know it's just a different space that yeah. they're able to come into, and they sterilize the space. They put up tables. They bring in all the equipment. They're very well organized. Um, the dogs and cats are tagged. So, you know, you know, what, what's what, and then they are, the procedures done. And then there's like a recuperation area where you stay with your pet and then they go home. Wow. I'm just trying to, you know, envision like, what does something on that scale look like? Yeah, I, would, I should show I'll send you some of my pictures. Okay, I'll make sure we have a link in the show notes, too. Oh, yeah. You know, I was pretty amazed to, to see. Actually, before the pandemic, I had was working with Global United and a group of veterinarians actually in Massachusetts, um, Tufts Veterinary School has a high school. It's called Tech at Tufts or Tufts at Tech. And it's basically a tech high school where what they teach them to be vet techs. And the fellow who runs the, the whole school, he's, he's amazing. And we were about to start, literally we were leaving in like a week to go to Puerto Rico to start to set up a visiting student veterinary clinic because he has all of these, you know, vet techs and veterinarians and people were going to rotate through and do clinics, you know, for spay neuter and any kind of uh, medical procedures that were needed and not, not to take business away from, you know, all the people doing great work and the veterinarians in these areas, more for the people that can't afford Right. Uh, and would go with no care. Right. And we were just ready to go with that. And that was one of the saddest things to me. You know, it all fell apart and and everybody that was involved sort of because of the pandemic lives took different turns and um, we've been unable to, you know, pull it back together again. But hopefully someday maybe, you know, we, we can do something like that again. So I had... A, a, a quote from you in my notes. And I feel like I have accidentally lifted your quote and been using it over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and I want to make sure I give you proper credit because you said that, you know, our dogs were the unsung heroes of the pandemic. And I just loved the way that that sentence was worded so much. So how did dogs, uh, how did you get through the pandemic? So the pandemic you know, brought my business to a screeching halt. And with lots of excited, I just mentioned I was about to launch that project in Puerto Rico. I had just started working for the veterinary emergency group, like everything on hold, done, you know, not, not happening. And um, it was months before, like, I even picked up a camera and, and I, I knew I'm like, I got to pivot. Like, but what's the pivot? <laughs> you know, how, how do I, you know, like stay alive? And I got the idea that, you know, I just needed to create and do something, you know, um, and not focus, you know, I wasn't going to get any paid clients <laughs> at this point, but that wasn't, you know, I just wanted to just, just keep doing what I was doing. So I wanted to create a project and I had been thinking and thinking a lot 
throughout the pandemic because for, for lots of different reasons, my dog Bailey that I had mentioned, she um, died September 2020. Um, so, and actually I call that a silver lining of the pandemic that I was able to spend those last, you know, months from March to September every day, all the time, which I, and I think that extended her life for sure. So, you know, that, that was great. But then I thought I would wait a little while. And then I realized, no, I'm home. My husband's a doctor. So he was out on the front line and was not home a lot. Um, and I was just like, no, got to have a dog, <laughs> uh, which is another story in itself. But I gave a lot of thought to the role that dogs were playing, you know, and how suddenly everybody wanted a dog. You couldn't get a dog. That's, that's a whole nother story in itself. Um, but and that how important and that dogs were among the unsung heroes. Like it was a dog's time to shine. <laughs> like without the dogs, like some people were just going to lose their minds. Like they literally were keeping people sane and in different ways for different people and different family members. And, you know, they really, um, they were there for us, which is another reason why, it's so heartbreaking. You know, we all kind of thought, oh no, when this goes away, what's going to happen? And you know, we are seeing lots of dogs, you know, being sent back to the shelter and all kinds, which is beyond sad. But I decided that I wanted to document. I wanted to tell the stories of these dogs. And so I put together a project called Tales of Support. And, you know, again, how the, the dogs that, that have supported us through this time. And I, interviewed about a few dozen, probably a couple dozen people. And I tried to get a variety from healthcare workers to families to, I don't know, I had a real mix. Um, People that I had one couple, she was a, um, a healthcare worker and they'd just gotten engaged. And the husband, the the man had just bought like a coffee franchise that that they were working on. And through all this, they just also got a puppy, (laughs) you know, so like the stories just varied from incredibly heartbreaking, uh, you know, to, you know, how the dogs just kept the people going. Uh, One woman, um, her family yeah, they didn't have any dogs. Her son was actually afraid of dogs, but they decided to get a dog and then they wound up getting another dog. So they got two dogs. And um, her son had a lot of, I don't know, a lot of kids did with the, you know, being on camera and the way that they had to learn and what they Mm had to do. And he just really, you know, wasn't comfortable with that. And the teacher understood that. And so the dog used to sit in the chair in his face (laughs) and it just, you know, like changed everything. It made an unacceptable situation. Like he was kind of like, you know, like celebrity, the dog was a celebrity. The kid was a celebrity. Like those things that people probably never even thought of that, you know, that that dogs were doing. And, um, and then I photographed each of these dogs with their humans. And I was able to use, I kept a COVID protocol. I used a telephone photo lens and we were outside, you know, so I was able to get beautiful photos of them and, you know, tell their story. And it was, it was, I love that project. 
That's wonderful. And it really, and through that project, kept my business alive because then I I got some press from it and people were interested in it. And then when finally, you know, the lockdown lifted, um, I, you know, had kept in the game, so so to speak. And then opportunities, you know, started to, to come again when that happened. So if a family wants to get some pet portraits done, what should they look for? Like how, how should they find somebody to work with? Is there, you know, like any kind of like interview process to see like, is this a good fit or do you have any tips for that? Yeah, sure. Well, if they're in the Boston area, they should contact me. (laughs) Dogs. I (laughs) but um, absolutely. There are a lot of really great. And I mean, in the six years that I've been doing this, it went from really not very many pet photographers to a lot of photographers because, you know, people hear that and they're like, that's a great job. I got to do that. (laughs) Um, But you do. I mean, there are a lot of things to think about. You know, I'm a natural light photographer, so I, I photograph outside. I like to keep dogs out in their natural element, but other people prefer studio shots, um, more formal shots. So like you want to have an idea, you know, of, of what type of style that resonates with you and, and what, what type of photo. So you want to pick a photographer whose style matches what you envision, the, the type of photos that you would like of your dog. And there are, I mean, literally they could probably, you know, Google pet photographers you know, in in my location. Um, And they, most of them have beautiful websites, you know, so you want to go through the website, you, you know, want to kind of see what their portfolio is the same that you would do if you were looking for a photographer for a wedding, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, do you want more of a documentary style? Do you want more of a candid style? Do you, you know, uh, want more of a pose style? And you definitely, you want someone that you feel a connection with. And it's an interesting thing because especially when the, when I photograph dogs that are near their end of life and I do those photo shoots, I wind up with like this amazing, amazing connection to those people. And I'm not even, I can't even explain it, but I'm probably like when the dog does pass, you know, one of the first people that they call, (laughs) Because there's just some kind of, you, you know, and then I feel like I know those dogs because not only, you know, did I spend the time photographing and did I get the story from their family, but I've spent hours upon hours in front of my computer, you know, looking at this dog in in, in, in different ways and, and so forth. So it's a really, you know, deep connection that you wind up with in, in, in a lot of different situations. And I've had people come back to me that even years later, like the dog wasn't sick and then the dog did pass away. And then, you know, we talk and they tell me, you know, how much that the photos mean to them. So you, you, you want someone to that you, you just relate to and somebody that lets your dog be your dog, <laughs> be there, you know, that, that is able to bring that out. And so we had joked that can be, you know, an investment. Uh, and so what, you know, it's not just like you said, it's not just snapping a picture with your iPhone. Like I know that, you know, you put time in ahead of time, as well as you're taking tons and tons and tons of photos, you know, and then having to go through after and choose the best one. Like what is kind of the whole process from like start to finish? So one of the things 
about a professional photographer, first of all, is that, you know, like, like anything else, they're, they're an expert in what they do. I have invested thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars in my camera equipment and in my education. I am constantly, constantly, whether it's an online class, whether, you know, it's a Facebook group, I've, I've gone to study with people as, as to be mentored by them, you know, so, so all of that is part of the background and what you bring to the, to the table, so, so to speak. But it's a bit of a, you know, process, whether it be for me, whether I'm working with a private client or a brand, I, I felt like there's an important piece for. So um, if, it, if it's a private client, we have a phone conversation first and we talk and I want to get an understanding of what they're looking for. I send out a questionnaire asking different questions like about their dog um, and, you know, even what their comfort level is in, in, in different places. Thought goes into a location if it's not a studio shot. Oftentimes, if there's a special place or a place where the dog is, you know, particularly comfortable, you know, we'll choose that. Or if I have an understanding of someone says to me, you know, like their dog's favorite place is the beach, you know, we'll, we'll aim for a beach shot. Or if it's a city dog, we're going to aim to catch some great urban locations. Um, if their dog is older and really can't get around, I'm going to go to their house and then I'm going to you know, find a way to make it work so that the dog is in a comfortable space. The other thing, a lot of times people say, oh, my dog you know, will never behave for you. You'll never be able to get a picture of your dog. Probably 90% of the photos that you see of dogs with no leash on and no human in the picture, that dog has a leash on and there's a human. That magic of <laughs> editing, <laughs> editing, you know, because it's safety first it is you never put a dog in a situation that they're not comfortable with. And that could be any type of thing. You know, the minute I see that a dog is uncomfortable, we're not, we're not doing that shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so those are important. I also try to convince people to at least be in one or two of the photos. And and some people just really don't want to be in, in the photo, but there's ways to capture that bond without, you know, uh, one of my signature shots is a dog on the feet of the human. Um, and it's clear. You, you get that loud and clear and that person doesn't have to look at their face larger than life. <laughs> you know, I am a, a self-proclaimed, self-professed, I hate having my picture taken person, but I really, it's having the dogs that's helped me get over that some because, you know, they only are with us for a short period of time. And I, I want those memories. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, the people are happy. The other thing is, and, and which is part of, the investment. And in particular, you know, for my, for my private, there's something to be said about an actual product, but that, you know, everybody has these phones, these pictures on their phone, but they never see the light of day. Right. And, and when you go to try to print one of these pictures, they do look great on here, but maybe not so great when you want to, you know, print them as a 16 by 40, uh, you know, 16 by 24 or, 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 or whatever. So I really, I have sourced out photo labs literally around the country, around the world. I use places in Germany, um, in Poland, I have a place in, uh, in Italy that 
it's a work of art. These are the same places that create pieces for museums. Okay. So, so you are getting really, really high quality. This is not like go to CVS and pick up a, a canvas. I actually on purpose will get the photos developed at CVS when I'm doing a, a like a reveal session for a private client so that they can look at the pictures and, and choose which ones they want in, and take time. But they can also see the difference between the color in those pictures and the way they're printed between the final product that they get. So, you know, that's another thing. And that, and, and a lot of photographers, they do, they, they, we all feel very strongly about creating permanent art pieces of art. That's not to say, you know, some people just do digitals, but I really always try to encourage people because they say they're going to do it. They never do. (laughs) (laughs) They usually get a quote and they're like, never mind. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, and that's all part of the work that goes into it. So, you know, um, I've done that. um, Then we meet. Um, I never put a time clock on it. It's usually around two hours. But again, it really depends on the dog. And it's actually quite hard work for dogs to, to be photographed Uh, (laughs) um, because they're thinking and, and unusual situations for them. And then there's, you know, the editing of the photos. Um, I do, I like to make it a big celebration. So I have a reveal session where people come and see on a, you know, big giant screen, uh, like a, you know, slideshow and they can pick and they can see samples of the products and choose them. So there's a lot that's involved. And again, just, you know, the same sticker shock, people are used to it and they'll pay for their wedding photographers. <laughs> you know, it, it, they'll never be sorry. And the same thing with pet brands, you know, people spend a lot of money. They've invested in, in all kinds of things. And it finally comes down to pictures for their website or pictures for their social media. And they're like, I don't have any more money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not going to spend that kind of money, but they don't understand the importance, especially like stop the scroll more than ever. There's just a difference. I've just recently started working with a, a pet brand that does pet toys that, you know, never, they just use other people's pictures or their own pictures. And once they started working with me, they were like, okay, <laughs> we see the difference. Day and night. I mean, it just elevated their product. Like unbelievable, you know, like they, from a blurry, poorly colored, <laughs> you know, photo to pictures of dogs frolicking, playing with toys and that feeling of like that you, again, you want, if you buy that toy, you want to see your dog, you know, enjoying it and loving it. No different than the, the dogs in the shelter. You need to be able to see it. And for companies, there is a return on the investment, I would imagine. Right. Exactly. You know, but again, it's, it's for, for both, whether it be a person or a brand, is it, it's an education process of, of them understanding it and buying into the value of it. So one last question I have to ask you, because I myself am a terrible photographer, which my husband loves to point out to me all the time. <laughs> Do you have any tips for how we can just take like a little bit of a better photo at home on our phone? (laughs) I do. My number one tip is get down on their level. Okay. 
Okay, that's the one thing I'm doing right. <laughs> we call them owner owner shots when you see like looking down right. at, at a dog because nobody ever gets down. Very, you know, good for you for sure. So to be able to capture things from a dog's perspective and on a dog's level, it just changes the photo immediately. You also you want to go for the eye is your focal point of of what you want of anything you want the eyes in focus. So on your iPhone too, you know, you can tap before you hit the picture to get that focus square. So if you, you know, you've got the dog in there and before you hit it, just tap on that so that you can see that the focus, it's sharp on their eyes. Um, Lighting. This is where I mess up. (laughs) (laughs) Like most photographers, like you want to shoot either early morning when the light is soft and just coming up or that golden hour when the light is going down. Those are the ideal times. Bright sunshine is really not your friend. You think it is, um, especially like on a black dog, which is hard to photograph anyway. Um, it's too harsh. But that does not to say that you can't look for a spot that's a little bit shaded. So if you're out on a bright, sunny day, look for a tree, you know, maybe a cloud passing by um, or someplace that has a bit of shade to it. So you want to have that. And the other thing, which is really look what's behind them. So, you know, you see pictures all the time, the pole coming out of the head or, 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 or clutter or, 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 or this or that. You really want to be conscious. So it's, it's not as easy with dogs because when you move, it's harder to move and get them to stay. But sometimes you just have to move just a little bit and you get a whole different, like gone is, is the telephone pole behind their head. You, you know, so if you stay conscious of what's behind them, I, I think your pictures will improve greatly. Usually I'm just trying to like get a picture of them doing something cute around the house. And, you know, we don't have, I don't know, there's not good lighting or it's like, you know, all in a shadow. And my husband's always like, you don't know how light works. <laughs> <laughs> you might, but sometimes you just don't have any choices. So you do the yeah, best. You know, they're just being cute over there. And I try to get a picture and then, you know, you, it's all a mess. So. <laughs> right. You don't get to, to, to capture that, you know, I mean, you know, you can do, you want to get those candidates for sure. And sometimes they're not the best, you know, photographs, but you could also, if your dog does something that you know is adorable, that like, if you could repeat it, but put it in the right environment, like in the right setting, whether that be next to a window that has some nice light coming in and you don't want to shoot, you want to be off to the side. Like you don't want to shoot directly. Like if the window's behind them, you don't want to shoot directly into the window. Because that's not going to help the light. But like if you're off to the the lights on the dog and you're sort of off to the side capturing that light, you'll get that that nice light on the dog. These are all mistakes I have made. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody makes them and you you know, and and, and sometimes they're better (laughs) than others. But, you know, the more you're just sort of aware of them and practice, practice, practice. Just keep taking them. <laughs> because, Don't let your husband's discourage you. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or, you know, whenever you can, put the dog in a setting that's 
better, you know, like go out an hour before sunset and, you know, throw the ball or or, be more purposeful. Right. (laughs) Right. And be more purposeful. I mean, you can't always do that, but you know, you still can. And basically the regardless of, you know, the best camera is the camera you have with you. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I am not dissing on iPhones. (laughs) It's just, you know, people seem to get Right. You know, so and then there are I actually I should send it to you. I did something about tips for black dogs because they're really hard to to Mm. photograph. And the same thing, there's like um, even in in shelters, like black dogs don't get adopted as easily because they're hard to photograph. And so you wind up sort of like a blob. And, and you you know, they call it like black dog syndrome, right? With um, right. They're not showing up well in those photos or, or even just in, you know, somebody's going through a shelter to pick a dog, like it's not standing out, you know, they're not making that eye connection or that. Right. Exactly. Well, Mindy, thank you so much for your time today. I will make sure I have links in the show notes for anybody who wants to work with you. I'm kind of thinking about moving to Boston right now. (laughs) Where are you again? I'm in Baltimore. I want to make sure we get family photos with Penny and Nino. Like we, we have a couple cool ones um, that we've had that we kind of blew up, but I don't have, you know, they were just ones we took and and kind of blew up, but you know, I I don't have any really good ones with, with like this version of our family. Right. Right. Exactly. I'm glad. So glad that, you see the value in it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And also on my Instagram is dogs. I meet if people just, you know, want to go on there and follow me. <laughs> You're doing such cool work around the world and, you know, I'll make sure that we have links to that too. I'm so thankful for your time today, Mindy. Oh, I so really, it was such a pleasure and thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I had such a great time talking to Mindy, and I'm so grateful for all that she shared with us, from her travel experiences to her tips and tricks. And I'll make sure that I type up Mindy's tips for photographing your dog in the show notes, so make sure you check there too. And you have to go and check out Mindy's website so you can see everything that she's doing, see photos of her travels to Mexico, to Puerto Rico. She's doing so many amazing things. She's an amazing photographer. There's actually a really cool photo on her website where somebody took a photo of Mindy where she's laying down belly flat on the ground, getting the perfect shot of a dog. And I just thought, now that is some commitment. I am here for it. I respect it. So make sure you go check out dogsimeet.com and also follow Mindy on Instagram and I'll have links for you in the show notes. And if you were listening to the end of episode 61, I gave a little bit of a teaser for a secret project that I'm working on, and I'm still trying to get it all 100% ready for you. But I want to let you know to make sure you keep an eye on the show notes over the next couple episodes, because I am doing a series of kind of like secret podcasts, I'm calling it the secret series, where my husband Tim and I are going to be talking really honestly and vulnerably about the dogs in our life and some of the experiences that we've had that I haven't talked about before on the podcast. And that'll be available for anybody who signs up for my email list. So make sure you keep checking. I'll have that for you soon. And that'll do it for our first episode of 2023. If you like this episode, remember that you can always leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's pretty much the biggest compliment that you can give a podcaster. 
Remember, you can always find me on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores or on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast. So until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Believe in Dog Podcast is a production of Hugs and Belly Rubs, LLC.